All right, so in way of kind of introduction, I want to say, first of all, um, at this juncture, uh, we're about six days uh, into the war uh, with Israel against Gaza. Uh, we have seen um, both Syria and Lebanon now are at least mildly engaged uh, in the war on the northern area of um, Israel, uh, even three uh, Israeli military individuals have been killed, and I think about seven uh, on the other side, especially around the area of Syria. Uh, we have seen uh, approximately 150 individuals taken hostage by Hamas. Uh, 900 Palestinians, uh, as of this morning, uh, have been killed, and some 1,200 Israelis, more being confirmed uh, on both sides. One of the areas I think that's important for us to understand that this, uh, if you're listening to this today in recent time frame, uh, that when the ground attack begins uh, in Gaza, there's a massive subway system to which Hamas has dug into. And when they begin street by street fighting, uh, there is going to be enormous loss of life and very difficult situations. Uh, the U.S. right now has already moved one aircraft carrier into place and potentially a second. I believe those are both strategic moves to hold uh, the northern alliances uh, at bay uh, while this war in the south continues to rage. Uh, as this occurs, I've spoken even uh, with those around my life and in my life just about the importance of Daniel's 70-week prophecy. And so I just want to cover this maybe generally, not exactly all the way through. Uh, but what you need to understand is that Daniel, uh, in the book of Daniel, has been held captive uh, for most of his life. Um, he's in Babylon for decades when the prophecies of Jeremiah catch his attention. Now, we don't know if he's had these passages of, of uh, ancient text from Jeremiah. Uh, if you're interested in these passages, they're Jeremiah 25, and they're really verses 11 and 12, and then chapter 29 and verse 10. These are three key verses that you really need to understand. And these verses jump off the page to Daniel, and he begins to see the future. And these are the bedrock, the backbone of all biblical prophecy. And when he begins to understand these, I would say, first of all, the first thing he does is he begins to pray. Uh, instantly equipped with knowledge of what God is doing, uh, Daniel drops to his knees in prayer. When I think we hear this so often that we need to pray for Israel, we need to pray for Israel, we need to pray for peace, uh, I understand that, but what I would say to believers today is crucial is that we understand peace is not coming. Uh, we can pray for peace, and certainly as we look at the tragedy, just heart-wrenching tragedy uh, of the loss of life, I believe the satanic attack of, of wicked people uh, that just want to maim and hurt and kill, we see uh, that we should pray for these people, for God uh, to help them. I believe this same type uh, of destruction is going to come in latter times and end times across the world, and maybe even in the country we live in. I really do firmly believe that. And so I think praying for these people, we pray uh, for God to provide for them. As we look at, um, there are innocent children and people uh, living in Gaza, uh, and, and there's no water, there's no power. Uh, there's no fuel, there's no food, they're an embargo, and uh, it's difficult. Uh, but I want us to look here in Daniel chapter number 9 and verse 24. It says uh, basically that seven weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city. Uh, the first thing that we need to under understand is what is the meaning of these weeks. The Hebrew or the original term here is a period of seven. And we hear this so often, I do, that seven is the number of perfection. But I think better said it would be that seven is the number of completion. And so just stick with me as we kind of understand this period of time. Uh, this period of seven uh, can either mean seven days or seven years. 
And we're going to see uh, that here in Daniel, uh, that the 70 weeks is referred to as 77s are determined. Um, that they are, uh, and that history has even proven that Daniel was referring to years rather than uh, than days or weeks, and that the context of this is important. We see in verse number two, he references 70 years, and the 77s in verse 24 are 70 groups of seven years. So that, that first of all, needs to be seen. Secondly, we need to understand we're not dealing with a 365-day uh, year. These are 360 days. Uh, biblical record shows us that 12-month period is a 360-day uh, year. That's found in Revelation 11.3 as, as well, and then Revelation 12.6. John counts that three-and-a-half-year period as a, a 1,260 days. That indicates, again, that this is a 360-day year. So I just want to define those terms uh, right off the bat. The next thing I want us to do is look at the first seven weeks. Uh, this is recorded in verse 25 of Daniel chapter number 9. He says, uh, From the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until the Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. So he separates these. And so we're going to look at this first seven weeks. And the streets shall be built again and the walls even in troublesome times. So according to verse number 25, and the prophecy that we're seeing of these 70 weeks of Daniel, so that's the topic we're talking about, that these 70 weeks would begin with a decree to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. And so we see this take place. History is recorded that four different times there have been a, an attempt to restore and to build the temple. Only one of these times are both the city, the temple, and the walls are all rebuilt. This occurs with Artaxerxes, and this is a very specific time and a date. It is March 14th, and it is 445 B.C. This is recorded in Nehemiah chapter number 2 and verse number 1. And following these decrees, the Jewish people uh, endure troublesome times. As they are rebuilding the wall, we know that they fought with weapons in their hand. They are rebuilding the homeland, and despite these really significant opposition from other groups. Um, even they say, you know, and the heart of Judah is failing. This is the heart of the warrior. Nonetheless, it is completed. Uh, Ezra is a part of this completion. And in Ezra 9 and 10, the walls are completed. So this is really the first seven weeks of this period, remember? Now we're going to look at the, the next 62 weeks. And all of these really significantly deal with today and what's going on in Israel. And these are the awaiting times of the Messiah. So after rebuilding of Jerusalem, Daniel's prophecy then begins to tell us that he is anticipating Messiah the Prince. Uh, this is a Hebrew phrase that really is associated with, with the authority, the kingship of the Lord Jesus that we see in the New Testament. Um, we see this probably best illustrated in the triumphant entry into Jerusalem uh, when he rides in on this donkey that's never been ridden uh, into the city. It is all very priestly. Uh, even when King David uh, gives the kingdom to his son Solomon and uh, and really outs Adonijah, his other son, that tried to take the kingship, he does so by riding on this mule or this donkey to announce this kingship. It's a very Jewish thing, and we see Jesus does this exact same thing. Uh, the Bible tells us that blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And Zechariah 9.9, 9, Psalm 118, Luke chapter number 19, all illustrate this Messiah the Prince, if you will. And again, this date of March 14th, 454, uh, or 445, I'm sorry, B.C., uh, that we can calculate from that date to this triumphant entry of Christ uh, all the way down, that, that scholars have been able to calculate this to an exact date 
of Christ's triumphant entry. And the importance of this is because of the sacrifice that is going to take place in Israel at this time, uh, the festival that is going on, and the fact that Jesus is going to be the sacrificial lamb for the people of God. All of this is revealed. Now, remember, I'm going to what these dates mean and why they're important. So this triumphant entry takes place April 6th, uh, 32 AD. And, And this helps us to understand that significantly, Uh, This date of Jesus' entry, the date of Jesus' death, it's going to be five days later that Jesus, uh, from him riding in, that he is going to go into Jerusalem and he's going to be executed. And this is Isaiah's prophecy that we see uh, in Isaiah 52 through 52, 53, and 54, even into 55 chapters of Isaiah, is this profound prophecy prophecy, specifically Isaiah 53, that Jesus is going to come. And it prophesies hundreds of years before he does that he is going to die. Now again, this is the prophecy of this suffering servant. And Daniel's prophecy that the Messiah would be cut off in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 26. And after 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off. This is the exact dates. Again, just screaming to us that these Daniel's 70 weeks are essential for us to understand and to see down to the date of, of Luke chapter number 23 that Jesus is going to die and how he is the suffering servant. And the servant uh, and the Messiah were one in the same. Uh, In fact, the Jews saw themselves as the servant because they had been subjugated so often by these other nations. They'd been controlled. Uh, But they expected the Messiah to appear like like in majestic, ancient of days is kind of this description. And that he would appear and and instead of being one with uh, no form or comeliness, they said, but they did not receive him. Again, that's Isaiah 53. And they could not understand, they would not receive him, but Jesus is going to be this Messiah, I'm sorry, that is going to mark the beginning uh, of these, what the what inside of this is the gap in Daniel's prophecy. So scholars refer to this like indefinite period of time, this unreckoned time, if you will. Uh, and it is an era where we still are alive today. It is an it is unreckoned because God only reckons the time uh, with the Jews when he is dealing with them as a nation. And that has not occurred since the triumphant entry. And it will not occur again until the tri- uh, until the tribulational period. And that tribulational period, I believe, is what is being set up in Israel right now. And so uh, that kind of gives you the idea of the middle, uh, if you will, the middle of these 62 weeks. However, the final week that we're looking at, so remember I know we move very quickly through those, but I want you to kind of have a grasp of what these are. The final week is dealing with the Antichrist, and this occurs in Daniel 9.27. So there's really three phases, if you will, and each one of them have a specific entry and a, a specific point in time, and then they have a specific beginning again. So we're kind of trapped in those 62 weeks, but there is a final week that is described, and and that is described and will begin at the tribulational period. And, and it begins, let me read this verse, in verse 27 of Daniel, chapter number 9. It says, Then he, the prince who is to come, shall confirm a covenant, with many for one week. Now remember, the week is is a seven, is a period of seven. It's not a week like you're thinking seven days. It's a period of seven. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. So the temple's going to be stopped. There will be no more. And this is a three and a half year period. And on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. So so we are seeing there is this going to come, this final thing. And then in verse 26, it, it tells us again, remember this, and after 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off. We see that's a specific period. Then we see this new era, this new person come in. And, and we see that the church is going to, at some point in this, 
unreckoned time frame, this 62 weeks, that the church is going to be raptured away. And it's going to happen really without uh, any, any fanfare. There's not going to be a great announcement. And uh, we even see that the seven-year period of Daniel's prophecy will begin then in this, the final week. This will start. And this will start the treaty uh, that we were talking about, about the prince who is to come and the nation of Israel. The prince will be uh, the Antichrist. He's going to be this world leader. He will provide military protection and religious freedom for Israel in the first years of the treaty. And then he will help the Jews to rebuild the temple and reestablish the sacrificial system and then it will stop. And I want you to see that, that many of these things um, are coming into play. And as we see what's going on in Israel, uh, it ought to encourage us. So this is kind of our application period. It ought to encourage us that we realize that Christ is coming and that we look up. And as believers, we redeem the times and that we know the doors will soon be shut and we must be pertinent. We must be on purpose uh, reaching uh, our own family, those that we love, uh, that we ought to be lifting up holiness within ourselves, um, and that we ought to be drawn to living for Christ, knowing these things. So after this three-and-a-half-year period, which uh, seems like this ruler, he's just so generous, he's just helping, he's making treaties, the sacrificial system is back in order, we're going to see that there begins a reign of terror. Uh, other passages of Scripture re reveal this exact same thing. Second uh, Thessalonians 2 verse 3 calls this man the man of sin. Uh, 25 times uh, the, the King James uh, calls him the beast. That's in Revelation uh, and we see that 25 times. Uh, he's called in 1 John 2 18, he's called the Antichrist. That's probably the most well-known term uh, that we see. And when the Antichrist violates the terms of the treaty, it will mark the beginning of the Great Tribulation. Now Jesus talks about this and we see this in Matthew 24 and verse 21, Jesus talks about the great tribulation and that we'll know these times. He uses the illustration of a lady being in labor and as the contractions get closer and closer and closer and closer in, that we're to know these things are happening. And I would just say, there's no need to fear, we shouldn't be afraid, but my heart is almost elated with, with just anticipation that the fact that these events are transpiring so quickly now, we are watching them. We are literally able to see these things happen right before us. And we are seeing these contractions begin. Revelation uh, 4, chapter number 4, all the way through verse 19, talk about this great tribulation that is going to come to the earth. And we need to keep in mind that the entire prophecy relates to the nation of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. And so that's the reason why the Israel is so important. So God dispatches a Gabriel to deliver this message, to respond to Daniel's prayer that we just looked at, and, and the confession on behalf of his people. And this final week of Daniel's prophecy also directly relates to the Jews and uh, all these things that will culminate in the completion of really of six major events that take place. And so uh, Daniel 9.24 reads like this. It says, uh, To finish the transgressions, it make an end of sin, to make a reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness. Each one of these are key. To seal up visions and prophecy and to anoint the Most High. Uh, before Daniel's 70 weeks are going to be finished, so we're in the last week, these six important things must take place between God and Israel. Uh, three of the six really concern the removal of sin. That is crucial. And the other three are concerning the restoration of righteousness. So first, I just want you to see and we'll be finished. First is, is the end of transgression. So for all who have accepted the Lord Jesus as Messiah, sin has been conquered at the cross. So this is how I know it's not involving us. But the rest of Israel uh, must see the, the finalization of this redeeming work um, that Christ has done on the cross. 
for this final tribulation to take place. And you say, well, what are you talking about? Well, Zechariah 12 says this. He, pro- he prophesies in Jerusalem after the Babylon ca- captivity that he foresees a change in Israel's attitude toward the Lord during these last days that will result in a widespread repentance and reconciliation. And, and you can find this in chapter number 12 and verse number 10 of, of Zechariah. This is crucial because this is where we see that we as Christians draw our understanding that after the rapture, people that have heard the gospel know the truth. They're not going to be saved. The, this is a revival of Jews. Uh, often you hear this number, 125,000. And this, um, this number is a number uh, that is really, truly revolves around the Jewish people and their revival and what will take place uh, with, with them. And uh, I'm sorry, I said 125. It's 144,000. And, uh, and this is the revival that takes place. So that's the first event. Next, you see that he makes an end to sin. So you, you see that. He says, to make an end of sins. Uh, sin will continue to be a part of the human experience throughout the last days in tribulation. Uh, I believe there still be human beings on the earth uh, during the millennial reign, and they obviously are not per- perfect. So this is speaking to another point, but when Jesus will return and sit on the throne of, of the earthly kingdom, and we will come back with him. So there's a rapture, then there's the the Bema seat judgment uh, that is really takes place in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, if you're interested in looking there. And then we see the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then we see that Jesus is going to come back and he is going to return to the earth. Uh, Ezekiel talks about this uh, in Ezekiel 37 and verse number 23. And that he is going to sit on the throne of David. I love David Jeremiah. Many of our end time studies come from David uh, Jeremiah's studies. And he says the only throne the Lord will ever share will be the throne of David. And Jesus is going to sit, that's what it says, on the throne of David. Now, he's not going to share it with King David sitting there, but that's the context, is that it will be in Jerusalem on this earth, and he will make an end to sin. And uh, the Bible tells us there in the words of Ezekiel that they shall not defile themselves anymore with their idols, nor with their um, detestable things, and nor uh, with any of their transgressions, but I will deliver them from all their dwelling places, uh, they which have sinned, and I will cleanse them. And then these people, Jerusalem, God's bride, uh, these people uh, shall be my people, and I will be their God. So we see that that is going to take place in this 70th week. It's the la- one of the last things. I know I told you I was going to hurry, but then he says to make reconciliation of this iniquity. This is a statement of atonement. Thousands of years of sinful disobedience. Uh, really, when you see the Zionist movement of Israel, it is such a worldly movement. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just that these Jewish people, even now, so many of them are rejecting Christ. And it is the, the pride of Zionism, the pride of having an Israeli state, which is a part of prophecy, but but they're not they're not doing this as the as the Messiah, the the in pride and in joy of the Messiah, the the fulfillment of Jesus. They're doing it out of a, a pride and he is going to make a reconciliation. The Lord is an atonement for the iniquity for these people. And uh, at the end of the 70 weeks, Israel will finally recognize the atoning effects of Jesus on the cross as the Messiah, uh, as we saw in Daniel uh, chapter 9 and verse number 26. And then it says, then he will bring an everlasting righteousness. Uh, with sin eliminated, the nation of Israel will lay claim truly to Christ's righteousness, and that will occur at the second coming. Now, this is an important terminology, and I just want to make this differentiation. There's going to be the return of Christ, which is the rapture, but he will not touch uh the ground. He will not touch down at the Mount of Olives. He will not be passing across into the Eastern Gate, um, and so that is that is not uh, the same event as this second coming, where he is going to come back to the planet. He is going to set up an eternal, everlasting rule and reign, and that is this thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. And there will be 
another uprising. We know that to be the Battle of Armageddon. We're not going to get into that today just because of time. But then I want you to see the final is the to seal uh, the vision and the prophecy. When Christ returns and establishes kingdom, every prophecy concerning him will be fulfilled. It'll be an end. And he says this, that he is going to seal up the vision of the prophecies. And, uh, and that this means that the end of these days, the end of this study, the end of these things will come. And then he says that he will anoint the most holy. And it, this is kind of a, a scriptural phrase, the most holy. And it describes the sacred place in the temple that is the holy of holies. And uh, we need to get into how even during Jesus' time, during the holies, in the holy of holies, uh, the Sadducees are going through all the religious systems, but there's not even an Ark of the Covenant in there. They're not even making atonement. Um, it's just it's just a sham. It's a it's a fraud. And when Jesus dies on the cross, the temple veil is rent from top to bottom, revealing the the scam that they've been pulling on the Jewish people, and the fact that there is no atonement taking place at the mercy seat. And yet Jesus is that atonement on the cross. That's what I mean by the most holy is going to be established. And in Christ's kingdom will be established uh, when the holy place in this millennial temple is complete and is dedicated for service. Now we see that the Bible talks about this again in Ezekiel 41 through first, first, or, or chapter 46. There's this, there's this anointing and uh, Daniel spends most of his life longing for this reunification of his people to reestablish the temple and for this thing to take place. So Daniel's 70 weeks of prophecy is, a, is, is, is just a treasure trove. Uh, and I know there are so many parts uh, to it, and I pray that this will ignite maybe some desire to know these things. Uh, I remind you, our memory verse for this coming month, really, is that if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives it liberally and that uh, that he will give it to you if you will ask for him. And this wisdom, I think, becomes so essential in this generation um, because it really contains prophetic clues, these 70 weeks, to uh, a thousand years of human history, this thousand-year millennial reign. Uh, and each part of this is so important and we as believers need to be watching and understanding that these things are coming to place. They're coming in time. Uh, we're seeing that, uh, when, that when these alliances are being made and these things are forming up in Israel, that, that great pieces, huge pieces of prophecy are being fulfilled. And uh, so I know our podcast has been long today, uh, but these are just things that are on my mind and heart. And, um, and I think maybe just just running over them at a blistering pace might can help you to uh, to really see these truths and to uh, to recognize that that God is at work right now all right so in way of kind of introduction I want to say first of all um, at this juncture uh, we're about six days uh, into the war uh, with Israel against Gaza. Uh, we have seen um, both Syria and Lebanon now are at least mildly engaged uh, in the war on the northern area of um, Israel. Uh, even three uh, Israeli military individuals have been killed, and I think about seven uh, on the other side, especially around the area of Syria, uh, we have seen uh, approximately 150 individuals taken hostage by Hamas. Uh, 900 Palestinians, uh, as of this morning, uh, have been killed, and some 1,200 Israelis, more being confirmed uh, on both sides. One of the areas I think that's important for us to understand that this, uh, if you're listening to this today in recent time frame, uh, that when the ground attack begins uh, in Gaza, there's a massive subway system to which Hamas has dug into. And when they begin street by street fighting, uh, there is going to be enormous loss of life and very difficult situations. Uh, the U.S. right now has already moved one aircraft carrier into place and potentially a second 
I believe those are both strategic moves to hold uh, the northern alliances uh, at bay uh, while this war in the south continues to rage. Uh, as this occurs, I've spoken even uh, with those around my life and in my life just about the importance of Daniel's 70-week prophecy. And so I just want to cover this maybe generally, not exactly all the way through. Uh, but what you need to understand is that Daniel, uh, in the book of Daniel, has been held captive uh, for most of his life. Um, he's in Babylon for decades when the prophecies of Jeremiah catch his attention. Now, we don't know if he's had these passages of, of uh, ancient text from Jeremiah. Uh, if you're interested in these passages, they're Jeremiah 25, and they're really verses 11 and 12, and then chapter 29 and verse 10. These are three key verses that you really need to understand. And these verses jump off the page to Daniel, and he begins to see the future. And these are the bedrock, the backbone of all biblical prophecy. And when he begins to understand these, I would say, first of all, the first thing he does is he begins to pray. Uh, instantly equipped with knowledge of what God is doing, uh, Daniel drops to his knees in prayer. When I think we hear this so often that we need to pray for Israel, we need to pray for Israel, we need to pray for peace, uh, I understand that, but what I would say to believers today is crucial is that we understand peace is not coming. Uh, we can pray for peace, and certainly as we look at the tragedy, just heart-wrenching tragedy uh, of the loss of life, I believe the satanic attack of, of wicked people uh, that just want to maim and hurt and kill, we see uh, that we should pray for these people for God uh, to help them. I believe this same type uh, of destruction is going to come in latter times and end times across the world, and maybe even in the country we live in. I really do firmly believe that. And so I think praying for these people, we pray uh, for God to provide for them. As we look at, um, there are innocent children and people uh, living in Gaza, uh, and, and there's no water, there's no power. Uh, there's no fuel, there's no food, they're an embargo, and uh, it's difficult. Uh, but I want us to look here in Daniel chapter number 9 and verse 24. It says uh, basically that seven weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city. Uh, the first thing that we need to under understand is what is the meaning of these weeks. The Hebrew or the original term here is a period of seven. And we hear this so often, I do, that seven is the number of perfection. But I think better said it would be that seven is the number of completion. And so just stick with me as we kind of understand this period of time. Uh, this period of seven uh, can either mean seven days or seven years. And we're going to see uh, that here in Daniel uh, that the 70 weeks is referred to as 77s are determined. Um, that they are, uh, and that history has even proven that Daniel was referring to years rather than, uh, than days or weeks, and that the context of this is important. We see in verse number two, he references 70 years, and the 77s in verse 24 are 70 groups of seven years. So that, that, first of all, needs to be seen. Secondly, we need to understand we're not dealing with a 365-day uh, year. These are 360 days. Uh, biblical record shows us that 12-month period is a 360-day uh, year. That's found in Revelation 11.3 as, as well, and then Revelation 12.6. John counts that three-and-a-half-year period as a uh, 1,260 days. That indicates, again, that this is a 360-day year. So I just wanted to find those terms uh, right off the bat. The next thing I want us to do is look at the first seven weeks. Uh, this is recorded in verse 25 of Daniel chapter number 9. He says, uh, from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. So he separates these. 
And so we're going to look at this first seven weeks. And the streets shall be built again, and the walls even in troublesome times. So according to verse number 25, and the prophecy that we're seeing of these 70 weeks of Daniel, so that's the topic we're talking about, that these 70 weeks would begin with a decree to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. And so we see this take place. History has recorded that four different times there have been an attempt to restore and to build the temple. Only one of these times are both the city, the temple, and the walls are all rebuilt. This occurs with Artaxerxes, and this is a very specific time and a date. It is March 14th, and it is 445 B.C. This is recorded in Nehemiah chapter number 2 and verse number 1. And following these decrees, the Jewish people uh, endure troublesome times. As they are rebuilding the wall, we know that they fought with weapons in their hand. They are rebuilding the homeland. And despite these really significant opposition from other groups, um, even they say, you know, and the heart of Judah is failing. This is the heart of the warrior. Nonetheless, it is completed. Uh, Ezra is a part of this completion. And in Ezra 9 and 10, the walls are completed. So this is really the first seven weeks of this period, remember? Now we're going to look at the the next 62 weeks, and all of these really significantly deal with today and what's going on in Israel, and these are the awaiting times of the Messiah. So after rebuilding of Jerusalem, Daniel's prophecy then begins to tell us that he is anticipating Messiah the Prince. Uh, This is a Hebrew phrase that really is associated with, with the authority, the kingship, of the Lord Jesus that we see in the New Testament. Um, We see this probably best illustrated in the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Uh, When he rides in on this donkey that's never been ridden uh, into the city, it is all very priestly. Uh, Even when King David uh, gives the kingdom to his son, Solomon, and, uh, and really outs Adonijah, his other son, that tried to take the kingship, he does so by riding on this mule or this donkey to announce this kingship. It's a very Jewish thing, and we see Jesus does this exact same thing. Uh, The Bible tells us that blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And Zechariah 9.9, Psalm 118, Luke chapter number 19, all illustrate this Messiah the Prince, if you will. And again, this date of March 14th, 454, uh, or 445, I'm sorry, BC, uh, that we can calculate from that date to this triumphant entry of Christ uh, all the way down, that, that scholars have been able to calculate this to an exact date of Christ's triumphant entry. And the importance of this is because of the sacrifice that is going to take place in Israel at this time, uh, the festival that is going on, and the fact that Jesus is going to be the sacrificial lamb for the people of God. All of this is revealed. Now, remember, I'm going to what these dates mean and why they're important. So this triumphant entry takes place April 6th, uh, 32 A.D., and, and this helps us to understand that significantly, uh, this date of Jesus' entry, the date of Jesus' death, it's going to be five days later that Jesus, uh, from him riding in, that he is going to go into Jerusalem and he's going to be executed. And this is Isaiah's prophecy that we see uh, in Isaiah 52 through 52, 53, and 54, even into 55 chapters of Isaiah, is this profound prophecy, specifically Isaiah 53, that Jesus is going to come. And it prophesies hundreds of years before he does that he is going to die. Now again, this is the prophecy of this suffering servant. And Daniel's prophecy that the Messiah would be cut off in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 26 And after 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off. This is the exact date. Again, just screaming to us that these 
Daniel's 70 weeks are essential for us to understand and to see down to the date of, of Luke chapter number 23 that Jesus is going to die and how he is the suffering servant. And the servant uh, and the Messiah were one in the same. Uh, in fact, the Jews saw themselves as the servant because they had been subjugated so often by these other nations. They'd been controlled. Uh, but they expected the Messiah to appear like like in majestic, ancient of days is kind of this description. And that he would appear and, and instead of being one with uh, no form or comeliness, they said, but they did not receive him. Again, that's Isaiah 53. And they could not understand, they would not receive him, but Jesus is going to be this Messiah, I'm sorry, that is going to mark the beginning uh, of these, what, the, what inside of this is the gap in Daniel's prophecy. So scholars refer to this like indefinite period of time, this unreckoned time, if you will. Uh, and it is an era where we still are alive today. It is, an, it is unreckoned because God only reckons the time uh, with the Jews when he is dealing with them as a nation. And that has not occurred since the triumphant entry. And it will not occur again until the, tri uh, until the tribulational period. And that tribulational period, I believe, is what is being set up in Israel right now. And so uh, that kind of gives you the idea of the middle, uh, if you will, the middle of these 62 weeks. However, the final week that we're looking at, so remember I know we move very quickly through those, but I want you to kind of have a grasp of what these are. The final week is dealing with the Antichrist, and this occurs in Daniel 9.27. So there's really three phases, if you will, and each one of them have a specific entry and a, a specific point in time, and then they have a specific beginning again. So we're kind of trapped in those 62 weeks, but there is a final week that is described, and, and that is described and will begin at the tribulational period. And, and it begins, let me read this verse in verse 27 of Daniel chapter number 9. It says, Then he, the prince who is to come, shall confirm a covenant, with many for one week. Now remember, the week is, is, a seven, is a period of seven. It's not a week like you're thinking seven days. It's a period of seven. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. So the temple's going to be stopped. There will be no more. And this is a three and a half year period. And on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. So, so we are seeing there is this going to come, this final thing. And then in verse 26, it, it, it tells us again, remember this, and after 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off. We see that's a specific period. Then we see this new era, this new person come in. And, and we see that the church is going to, at some point in this unreckoned time frame, this 62 weeks, that the church is going to be raptured away. And it's going to happen really without uh, any, any fanfare. There's not going to be a great announcement. And uh, we even see that the seven-year period of Daniel's prophecy will begin then in this, the final week. This will start and this will start the treaty uh, that we were talking about, about the prince who is to come and the nation of Israel. The prince will be uh, the Antichrist. He's going to be this world leader. He will provide military protection and religious freedom for Israel in the first years of the treaty. And then he will help the Jews to rebuild the temple and reestablish the sacrificial system. And then it will stop. And I want you to see that, that many of these things... Um, are coming into play. And as we see what's going on in Israel, uh, it ought to encourage us. So this is kind of our application period. It ought to encourage us that we realize that Christ is coming and that we look up. And as believers, we redeem the times and that we know the doors will soon be shut and we must be pertinent. We must be on purpose uh, reaching uh, our own family, those that we love, uh, that we ought to be lifting up holiness within ourselves, um, and that we ought to be drawn to living for Christ, knowing these things. So after this three and a half year period,
which uh, seems like this ruler, he's just so generous, he's just helping, he's making treaties, the sacrificial system is back in order, we're going to see that there begins a reign of terror. Uh, other passages of Scripture reveal this exact same thing. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 3 calls this man the man of sin. Uh, 25 times uh, the, the King James uh, calls him the beast. That's in Revelation uh and we see that 25 times. Uh, he's called, in 1 John 2, 18, he's called the Antichrist. That's probably the most well-known term uh, that we see. And when the Antichrist violates the terms of the treaty, it will mark the beginning of the Great Tribulation. Now, Jesus talks about this, and we see this. In Matthew 24, and verse 21, Jesus talks about the Great Tribulation and that we'll know these times. He uses the illustration of a lady being in labor, and as the contractions get closer and closer and closer and closer in, that we're to know these things are happening. And I would just say, there's no need to fear. We shouldn't be afraid. But my heart is almost elated with, with just anticipation that the fact that these events are transpiring so quickly now, we are watching them. We are literally able to see these things happen right before us, and we are seeing these contractions begin. Revelation uh, 4, chapter number 4, all the way through verse 19, talk about this great tribulation that is going to come to the earth. And we need to keep in mind that the entire prophecy relates to the nation of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. And so that's the reason why the Israel is so important. So God dispatches a Gabriel to deliver this message, to respond to Daniel's prayer that we just looked at, and, and the confession on behalf of his people. And this final week of Daniel's prophecy also directly relates to the Jews and uh, all these things that will culminate in the completion of really of six major events that take place. And so uh, Daniel 9.24 reads like this. It says, uh, To finish the transgressions, it make an end of sin, to make a reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness. Each one of these are key. To seal up visions and prophecy and to anoint the Most High. Uh, before Daniel's 70 weeks are going to be finished, so we're in the last week, these six important things must take place between God and Israel. Uh, three of the six really concern the removal of sin. That is crucial. And the other three are concerning the restoration of righteousness. So first, I just want you to see, and we'll be finished. First is, is the end of transgression. So for all who have accepted the Lord Jesus as Messiah, sin has been conquered at the cross. So this is how I know it's not involving us. But the rest of Israel uh, must see the, the finalization of this redeeming work um, that Christ has done on the cross for this final tribulation to take place. And you say, well, what are you talking about? Well, Zechariah 12 says this. He, pro he prophesies in Jerusalem after the Babylon captivity that he foresees a change in Israel's attitude toward the Lord during these last days that will result in a widespread repentance and reconciliation. And, and you can find this in chapter number 12 and verse number 10 of, of Zechariah. This is crucial because this is where we see that we as Christians draw our understanding that after the rapture, people that have heard the gospel know the truth. They're not going to be saved. The, this is a revival of Jews. Uh, often you hear this number, 125,000. And this, um, this number is a number uh, that is really, truly revolves around the Jewish people and their revival and what will take place uh, with, with them. And uh, I'm sorry, I said 125. It's 144,000. And, uh, and this is the revival that takes place. So that's the first event. Next, you see that he makes an end to sin. So you, you see that. He says, to make an end of sins. A sin will continue to be a part of the human experience throughout the last days in tribulation. Uh, I believe there still be human beings on the earth uh, during the millennial reign. And they obviously are not per perfect. So this is speaking to another point. But when Jesus will return and sit on the throne of, of the earthly kingdom 
and we will come back with him. So there's a rapture, then there's the the bema seat judgment uh, that is really takes place in 1 Corinthians chapter number three. If you're interested in looking there. And then we see the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then we see that Jesus is going to come back and he is going to return to the earth. Uh, Ezekiel talks about this uh, in Ezekiel 37 and verse number 23. And that he is going to sit on the throne of David. I love David Jeremiah. Many of our end time studies come from David uh, Jeremiah's studies. And he says the only throne the Lord will ever share will be the throne of David. And Jesus is going to sit, that's what it says, on the throne of David. Now, he's not going to share it with King David sitting there, but that's the context, is that it will be in Jerusalem on this earth, and he will make an end to sin. And uh, the Bible tells us there in the words of Ezekiel that they shall not defile themselves anymore with their idols, nor with their um, detestable things, and nor uh, with any of their transgressions, but I will deliver them from all their dwelling places, uh, they which have sinned, and I will cleanse them. And then these people, Jerusalem, God's bride, uh, these people uh, shall be my people, and I will be their God. So we see that that is going to take place in this 70th week. It's the la- one of the last things. I know I told you I was going to hurry. But then he says to make reconciliation of this iniquity. This is a statement of atonement. Thousands of years of sinful disobedience. Uh, Really, when you see the Zionist movement of Israel, it is such a worldly movement. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just that these Jewish people, even now, so many of them are rejecting Christ. And it is the, the pride of Zionism, the pride of having an Israeli state, which is a part of prophecy, but but they're not they're not doing this as the as the Messiah, the the in pride and in joy of the Messiah, the the fulfillment of Jesus. They're doing it out of a, a pride and he is going to make a reconciliation. The Lord is an atonement for the iniquity for these people. And uh, at the end of the 70 weeks, Israel will finally recognize the atoning effects of Jesus on the cross as the Messiah, uh, as we saw in Daniel uh, chapter 9 and verse number 26. And then it says, then he will bring an everlasting righteousness. Uh, With sin eliminated, the nation of Israel will lay claim truly to Christ's righteousness, and that will occur at the second coming. Now, this is an important terminology, and I just want to make this differentiation. There's going to be the return of Christ, which is the rapture, but he will not touch the ground. He will not touch down at the Mount of Olives. He will not be passing across into the Eastern Gate. Um, and so that is that is not uh, the same event as this second coming where he is going to come back to the planet. He is going to set up an eternal everlasting rule and reign. And that is this thousand year millennial reign of Christ. And there will be Another uprising, we know that to be the Battle of Armageddon. We're not going to get into that today just because of time. But then I want you to see the final is the to seal uh, the vision and the prophecy. When Christ returns and establishes kingdom, every prophecy concerning him will be fulfilled. It'll be an end. And he says this, that he is going to seal up the vision of the prophecies. And, uh, and that this means that the end of these days, the end of this study, the end of these things will come. And then... He says that he will anoint the most holy. And this is kind of a a scriptural phrase, the most holy. And it describes the sacred place in the temple that is the holy of holies. And uh, we need to get into how even during Jesus' time, during the holies, in the holy of holies, uh, the Sadducees are going through all the religious systems, but there's not even an Ark of the Covenant in there. They're not even making atonement. Um, it's just it's just a sham. It's a it's a fraud. And when Jesus dies on the cross, the temple veil is rent from top to bottom, revealing the the scam that they've been pulling on the Jewish people, and the fact that there is no atonement taking place at the mercy seat, and yet Jesus is that atonement on the cross. That's what I mean by the most holy is going to be established, and in Christ's kingdom will be established. Uh, when the holy place in this millennial temple is complete and is dedicated for service. Now we see that the Bible talks about this again in Ezekiel 41 through first, first, or, or chapter 46. There's this 
there's this anointing. And uh, Daniel spends most of his life longing for this reunification of his people to reestablish the temple and for this thing to take place. So Daniel's 70 weeks of prophecy is, a, is, is, is just a treasure trove. Uh, and I know there are so many parts uh, to it, and I pray that this will ignite maybe some desire to know these things. Uh, I remind you, our memory verse for this coming month, really, is that if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives it liberally, and that, uh, that he will give it to you if you will ask for him. And this wisdom, I think, becomes so essential in this generation um, because it really contains prophetic clues, these 70 weeks, to uh, a thousand years of human history, this thousand-year millennial reign, uh, and each part of this is so important, and we as believers need to be watching and understanding that these things are coming to place. They are coming in time. Uh, we're seeing that, uh, when, that when these alliances are being made and these things are forming up in Israel, that, that great pieces, huge pieces of prophecy are being fulfilled. And uh, so I know our podcast has been long today, uh, but these are just things that are on my mind and heart. And, um, and I think maybe just, just running over them at a blistering pace, Mike can help you to, uh, to really see these truths and to, uh, to recognize that, that God is at work right now. Okay, so you've been so very patient with me to end up today and uh, to close things out. I do want to point out one more thing. If you've stayed with me, I know this has been our longest podcast ever. And um, I pray that it, it wasn't an overload. My desire in all of this is that you see what's going on uh, in our world and you have a desire to know more about what Scripture says about it. And one of the things that I really want to point out that really brought this to my heart and mind uh, is to see the shaping up of Ezekiel 38, 1 through 6. And so um, Ezekiel describes these latter days, these last days, and he uses um, words or names of countries and these things that we're going to see come together. And we are watching literally the beginning of this, I really do believe, and uh, if you read Ezekiel 38, you'll hear words uh, that are kind of foreign to us, like Rosh, Magog, uh, the word Persia, and Crush, and Put. Um, these these uh, Meshech and others, they, they really are uh, foreign, long-forgotten words. But like Rosh is Russia. And Magog is, is like Afghanistan and Kazakhstan. Persia is Iran. You see Kush, which is Sudan. And Put, which is Libya or Put. Uh, uh, Mishiach is Turkey. And these major players are all lining up right now in our history. Uh, we're seeing Russia and Iran and Libya and Turkey all coming into this alliance. We are watching this take place while at the same time you're seeing on the other side, you're seeing really mus strongly Muslim-controlled areas like Jordan and Egypt. And I believe when you hear this name in the news of Saudi Arabia lining up with Egypt and Jordan, I believe this is one of the greatest signs for the Christian today to look at this Ezekiel 38 passage and realize that two sides have been drawn up. And there's going to be this alliance. Egypt already has peace agreements with Israel. And, and Jordan, for all accounts and purposes, has had peace uh, for years. And when you see Saudi Arabia align with them, and you see this Russia, Iran, Turkey begin to play together, Things are built just like Scripture lays out, and that is to me why these things become important. I know to some these may seem like deep waters. However, they are essential for us as believers today to see these pieces of these puzzles. I'm not saying I understand all of it. I certainly do not. 
But it, but as we know Scripture, as we become mature adults uh, in the Word and spiritually strong, and we begin to see these pieces fit together, it ought to inspire us to do two things. Number one, to share our faith. Because we realize, we talked about it today, there is a deadline. The clock is ticking down. And then finally, it ought to inspire us to live for God. There are things we ought to be doing, and we ought to look within and repent. Uh, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so I encourage you in these things. And uh, we do pray for Israel and for all of these things, for our children, uh, for our loved ones, that we might be a part of this phenomenal time frame to which we're alive today. So signing off with a new sign off, and that is, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. And we'll be praying for you as you look into these things as well.